What's up, guys? Max here, back with a brand new episode of The Scuttlebutt Show. Hope you're all doing great out there, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. If you're new here and you're out here to see Rob, who is our special guest today, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss all the great upcoming episodes of the show. Every month, we have this incredible guest. You guys have come to know him very well. Of course, needs no introduction, but I am pleased and proud and happy and honored, as always, to welcome on the show my good friend, Rob Sweetman. Rob, how are you doing? I'm doing amazing. I'm so glad that the show is back up and running and rocking and rolling and that I'm still a guest here. So thanks for having me. You have a permanent uh, residency on the Scuttlebutt show if you want. I feel like you're the you're not a you're not a uh, you're not a guest. You're a you're a cast member. You're a co-host, you know, <laughs> that's right. Uh, from one of the first ever guests to, um, you know, several years later. And we're still doing this. And I think that that's awesome. Man, I remember sitting in what was that? Were we in North Park? And you had your studio set up yeah. with the radio station yep. before you went video, yep. right? So 1990s, yep. but it was cool. <laughs> and yeah, we would go there and come in the back door. And then I think we were like sitting in the room off to the left and we had our own microphones and it was really intimate. And it was cool. But hey, Okinawa is cool. Digital's cool. Yep. Uh, we can reach a larger audience like this. So yes, it has been quite a journey. Well, someday I'm going to have to go back and dig out old photos from that studio and do like a recap of like a, a road to how we got here, you know, type thing, which, which actually, now that I think about it, sounds like a pretty fun idea. So what is, what's new? What's going on? Well, you broke 7,000 subscribers. So yes. huge shout out to the scuttlebutt show. Thank Everybody's you. watching you. Thank you. Uh, and I, I, you guys might not know this, but, uh, Max has like thousands and thousands of TikTok followers. <laughs> if you guys have never been to scuttlebutt show Max's, uh, TikTok, it is booming. It's exploding. It is it's cool to watch your success, man. Well, thank but, you. But uh, uh, we're working on the 62 Romeo. You guys remember last year that we released a documentary following a study that we did. And basically, we just want to throw a bunch of team guys like veterans into a program and see if we could fix their sleep. Right. Guys, combat veterans, dudes, like gnarly backgrounds, you know. Everybody remembers 2005 in Iraq. Um, I, I wasn't there, but I heard about the stories. And so we have guys coming from that and they don't sleep. They don't sleep. They don't get it. They don't understand. It's like, why am I not sleeping? Um, so the six week program is literally the kitchen sink. Like we put everything that's proven to work into one program. And, you know, you can guess, right? It was super successful. It, I mean, we like blew the numbers out of the park. Um, so we're trying to figure out how to communicate that to a broader audience. Uh, we're talking to several nonprofits that focus on veterans, right? So that we can uh, potentially get this in the hands of, of the veterans that need it. Uh, we did that documentary that was published for Veterans Day last year. It's still live. And now we are working on the academic paper. Uh, well, we've been working on it since we finished the study, but we're going to publish that soon. We're just trying to figure it out and navigate all that. I've never uh, published an academic paper before, but that tells all the secrets. So like the, you know, the, the documentary was kind of sensationalized. It's like, oh, wow, everything's great. You know, we went from here to there, but the academic paper gets into the nuts and bolts and the actual data. Like, how did we do it? How did we increase people's sleep by like 40% where they're getting enough deep sleep, enough REM sleep? And their lives are completely different. They're present for their spouses. You know, they don't have as much emotional instability or memory loss or just fogginess, like brain fog when you wake up tired. So my life is good, man. That's this is like the most rewarding thing I've ever done. And it just keeps growing every day. So that's awesome. It's good. It's the most important thing that, that I like to hear when people say, something like that they feel like their work is rewarding, that their mission is meaningful, that they are happy, that they're good with their families, you know, on good terms with their families and good terms with their friends, doing well, feeling good, in good health. You know, that's the most important thing. And it sounds uh, like you have a lot of big stuff going on. Is your is that academic paper something that your uh, your team is working on? Is Dr. Mishra working on that with you? Totally. Yeah. Dr. Mishra is the, uh, the lead author on it. Um, and then we have Terry Quinn and Barda Sataku, who uh, Terry is a longtime executive and is trying to emerge in the research space. Uh, he works with us. And then Barda, I think she's about to do a residency. So she awesome. probably have a good conversation with your wife, um, yeah. exploratory conversation. Yeah. Uh, and then there's me, right? Dummy at the end, like, oh, I didn't really do too much, right? Uh, 
dumbest guy in the room, right? But I'm there. <laughs> I'm putting in 110% of effort, right? So I'm really happy. I'm really happy with where it's come. Uh, I can't share the paper with you yet, uh, but we have to uh, go through this process with, we don't even know where we're going to publish it. We're trying to figure this out. But as soon as I do have something for you, I'll shoot it over to you. Yeah, can't wait. Um, I know I know that that's a very serious thing. I guess then you would be a published, uh, you would have a published paper like in a, in a, would that be, I know you just said you can't talk about it, but I know for just for an example, my wife in her practice and in her residency went through many processes of writing papers, um, submitting them for publication, and then seeing what uh, foundation or uh, academic journal or whatever would accept it and publish it. And that's always a massive achievement. It's a big milestone. So I can't wait to hear the updates on that. Do you... Uh, yeah, I mean... Sorry, good. Well, I was just going to say, I, I kind of, I'm pretty hard on myself, right? You get up and you work hard every day, you try to achieve your goals, but I, I realized the other day, it's been more than four years I've been working on this. I think it's about the same timeline as the scuttlebutt, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, I take a look back and I'm so hard on myself, but dude, we've written, I mean, I've written two patents. We have an academic paper, a documentary. We have people that have written letters to me that saved their lives. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, I don't have all the answers, but we're doing good stuff. And like, when we take a look back, it's like, yeah, man, we're about to publish an academic paper. I never would have thought that, you know, sitting in Iraq at the FOB, you know, cleaning our gun or messing around. <laughs> what were those, uh, what were those energy drinks? A little like rippets. And yeah, rippets. I never would have, I never would have thought that I was sitting right here doing this stuff, but anyways, so sorry to interrupt. No, 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 you can't interrupt me. This is a, uh your show. So do you remember, I was going to say, do you remember when, uh, we had all those people from, uh, from your, your team on the show and we did the the spinning wheel and the giveaway. That was a fun episode. We, we, maybe we can get the whole, uh, exist tribe on the, on the, on the call next time. Yeah, let's do it, man. Let's get the whole exist tribe since then. And I just got a, uh, an email from, uh, Brandon or Justin this morning is like, Hey, what's up with the rest node? And I have rest nodes over here I'm working on, but this Check this out. This is a oh. handmade wooden rest node. I don't oh, have the gust awesome. in it yet. That's dope, right? Yes, and that then, is uh, nice looking. If you take a look at the difference in the new design, look how much smaller it is. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. And and the reason why is because uh, a lot of people were telling us like, oh, it's too big. I, uh, you know, it's, I don't know. And then making it smaller is cheaper. It's easier to ship and stuff like that. So we crammed in a little bit tighter. But to answer everyone's question about the rest node, we're still working on it. This is like one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. So yeah. we're, you know, China is behind on every single chip we need for this uh, rest node. We have issues sourcing these parts. We're trying as hard as we can. But as soon as we get uh, like these first hundred stamped out, all the, you know, at least the uh, early adopters, the people that pre-ordered stuff like that, they're going to get theirs first and we're, we're going to get it done. So yeah, I'll just say you know, not not this is not directed at you, but be my, at myself as a consumer, I've always been a big supporter of like Kickstarters and uh, and independent campaign fundraising campaigns for innovation. I believe in being a early adopter of things, and I support that kind of stuff. Um, I think that there's never probably been a tougher time in the last three years to start something than than right now. So uh, just only speaking for myself, if it you know from from me my perspective, want to get my hands on a rest node. I understand the delay and I still support the businesses that I've, you know, I don't know if the right word is invested in, but bought something from in this time on the, on the idea that it's going to be created with, uh, with no guaranteed timeline, but you know, everything's delayed. I, I, I don't care, uh, if, if it was so critical to me to have that product or that money back, I shouldn't have spent it in the first place. This is just, you know, again, like I said, my personal opinions, I totally get it. Well, it's everybody supportive. I mean, everybody gets it. Um, I just, I mean, no one, you know, Terry does supply chain for forever. You know, he, he worked at Qualcomm as the VP of operations there. Never has he seen chip shortages and stuff like this. It's, it's crazy. So, but the good news is we are releasing our app, which can help people hmm. uh, soon. Uh, we're testing. I got a meeting after this with the software team. We're testing the Android app and the uh, Apple app for the REST node. And we're, we're not quite ready with 
um, the simulated rest node, but because of all these delays, we're going to throw a simulated rest node on there. So the device, the phone will kind of do what the rest node does. And that'll be good for people that use the rest node and want to have it on travel and don't want to bring it with them. So hopefully people can get some benefit out of that just from the free download. Oh, uh, yeah. And that's coming. Yeah. Next couple of weeks. So. Oh, can't wait. I'll have to get a copy of it and do some kind of a uh, review of it. Absolutely. I'd appreciate that. Be brutal, man, because that's how we're going to fix it, make it better. Maybe I'll, well, yeah, maybe I'll, I'll uh, send you a, a separate one. <laughs> no, I'm always, yeah. I'm always honest when I do that stuff. I always call it, call it like I see it. Um, somebody said, can you go over the rest node really quick and how it works? Maybe just a real quick wave tops. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. And I need to get a, uh, next time we do this, I'll have like a demo. I'll write up some demo software. So we can like, it can like do its thing and kind of give like, oh, here's what it would do. But what it's set up for, just to give the, you know, the, the uh, landscape for what we're trying to do. This is a device that goes in your bedroom and it gives you the right light frequencies for your eyes. The way those uh, retinal ganglion cells receive frequencies, like the phones and the TVs and stuff actually impact that. But the way the sun is supposed to like sort of control our circadian rhythm, we're trying to simulate that. So we have one light that's absolutely pure amber. There's zero blue. It's tested in the laboratory. I mean, this stuff is IEC certified, very high-end lights. So it's an amber tranquil light. It'll just put you to sleep. But it goes from, you know, uh, more bright to all the way to darkness. And that simulates a sunset. And you have a library of sounds. So if you want to do guided meditation, breathing exercises, it's already on there. If you want to just listen to ocean waves, uh, and, and this will kick on before you're supposed to go to bed and you'll get a notification. And that's part of like the behavioral routines of getting ready for bed. And then you go to bed and this thing just puts you to sleep and then it's blackout mode. Maybe you can keep some white noise throughout the night if you like that. And then in the morning we have a second light that turn and you can kind of simulate some of this stuff by buying stuff on Amazon. They just don't really have the quality of, of lights that we have. Um, but this is a full spectrum light and it does have blue light in it. And that hits your eye first thing in the morning. And that helps keep a consistent, uh, you know, it's a signal to your brain to reset the circadian rhythm so you can stay in sync with your day. And that's, that's critical to keeping the hormones and the whole circadian uh, rhythm moving in the right direction. So let me show it to you now. Yeah, let's see it. Rob is grabbing it from the background. If you're listening on the podcast, there it that's is. That's right. So this is the amber light. This is the full spectrum light, and this is our amazing speaker here. Uh, if you go inside this thing, which this is, uh, we have a new version that's a little bit more slick. You can see, look how thin those lights are. Those are, those are OLED lights. Mm. They're paper thin. And then, of course, we're still rocking the Raspberry Pi. We have, uh, we built the audio board and the power board there. Um, but on this one, we haven't upgraded to the new one. We're working on one board that replaces the Raspberry Pi and everything. It's just like all on one chip or uh, one board. It's easier that way. I'm so impressed by your ability to uh, learn all this tech in pursuit of I'm this a dummy, goal. man. I can just find people that are smarter than me to help me along this journey, you know? Well, I think that's, that's well, that's an important trait too, building building team. I'm just the knucklehead that just won't give up, right? Just keep going, keep going. I, uh, you know, you kind of said it in the beginning there. You said uh, that that thing goes in the bedroom. And that's right. We brought everyone here today to talk about the bedroom, you know? What is, uh, so what is, what are we, what is, what are we going to talk about today? Well, I don't know if anybody's ever heard the saying, the bedroom is only for sleep and sex, but it's true. And you'll hear a lot of sleep scientists say this. And, you know, I'm not going to get into the second part of that, but what we're talking about is behavioral routines, right? And then we're talking about psychological associations with your behavioral routines. So, you know, we can talk about that and we can talk about the setting within the bedroom, but all of this, we want to have a, a conducive space for the best sleep opportunity. And so I'll, I'll paint a picture, you know, like you go into your bedroom and this is where you get into a fight with your girlfriend or your wife every night before you go to bed. And maybe it only happens once a week, but you start to associate a little bit of anxiety with being in that space in the bedroom. Maybe you're doing uh, emails. You're up late on your laptop, sitting in your bed, or you're watching movies, which we're all guilty of watching Netflix, right? But if that is associated with the bedroom, it becomes a, a psychological framework of anxiety 
or a wakefulness, like wakefulness or something other than sleep, right? So what do we want in the bedroom? We want it to be chill. We want it to be tranquil. We want it to be our sleep dojo, right? And so there's a lot that goes into that, but um, you know, definitely removing all of the things that are disturbing or, uh, you know, exactly like we talked about, get out the TV, um, keep that space that you sleep in as your sanctuary, right? And the more you build in a process of relaxation, which if you guys want to do a breathing exercise after the show today, I think it's probably a good tradition that we should start. Yeah. But we do these, we do these breathing exercises for the same reason, right? We're trying to calm down the sympathetic nervous system, right? And so we can enter into the parasympathetic nervous system. Big words, right? But all we're saying is you, you get stuck in an anxiety state, you know, emails, what do I have to do tomorrow? Oh, I got this. I got this bill that's coming in. We got to de-stress all of that and then just focus on what's most important in our lives, which is, you know, us being well, our family, relaxation, and, and all of that aids in the process of getting to sleep. Uh, Because if you're strung out on thoughts about different things, it just makes it really hard to go to sleep. And if you're not getting good sleep, you know, you're not going to perform well at work. You're going to have a a depleted immune system. You're going to have lizard brain. You're going to be foggy brain. You're not going to have all of the faculties that you need to operate at 100% like Max, right? You got to operate at 100%. Hardly. So. Yeah, I mean, we don't even want to get into the long term effects. We all know we've seen what a military career can do to your sleep. And then you start to have these negative um, health effects, these consequences of short sleeping, but it's not good. And once you start to get to 30, 40, you start taking care of your body more and you're realizing, man, I'm just destroying myself. And and even in your 20s, right? Uh, We're doing a study with some college students in a couple of months, football players. So sleep is absolutely critical. Um, if you want to make gains in the gym, if you want to be sharp at work, you want to close that sale or, or be the best version of yourself, you just have to get the best sleep that you can. And so that starts with, you know, bedroom is a sanctuary. It's only for sleep and sex. Get all of the other things out of the bedroom. So I'll take a pause there. And then I, I do want to talk about light, sound and temperature. Yeah. So you know, light, sound, and temperature, it's interesting. Um, I'm glad that you just said that because it's going to work well with what I was planning on. Uh, I, I had an idea here. I think a lot of people in the in the, in the the chat and listening on the podcast might be able to, to relate to this. But I was just thinking before we talk about, people might be like, ah, my bedroom's awesome. You know, I got my bedroom figured out. Maybe for a lot of veterans out there, and, and, and I, I don't, people in the chat can answer this question too. But Rob, question for you. Can you describe one of the craziest bedrooms that you had in the Navy? Like when you were deployed or maybe when you were going through training, open bay barracks, tents. I remember these open bay tents I would stay in when I was like transitory in Kuwait or or something like that. What is like an insane bedroom that you were made to sleep in when you were when you were in the Navy? Uh no preparation on this question, no just prep, off the cuff. Off the cuff. Uh, I'm just going to have to go back to training in Alaska, right? Oh. So they made us get down into our skivvies and jump into the Alaskan waters. And, you know, they do a, a temperature test before you get in. So they know how long it's going to take for you to die, right? <laughs> how where, There's a scale, right? Here's dead. And then here's the different stages of hypothermia. It's like, eh, we'll see how far we'll push them. Uh, but yeah, basically... Uh, basically naked in the Alaskan waters. And so you sit there and it's not like wind, the water will take everything away from you fast. And so we had to do rewarming drills. So we had a little tent and you go get in there and you try to fire up your jet boil and warm up a thermos and put on dry warmies and just kind of like hibernate. Um, and you didn't, you didn't care. Uh, the, you know, about the rocks that were under your tent that you just didn't care. Um, and so I I find that, uh, to be probably true with a lot of different sleeping situations. Like if, if it's getting gnarly out there, you probably care a little bit less about the conditions of, of your sleeping, uh, arrangement. I've heard guys, uh, like I have a friend that was on the, uh, USS Hollister in the Vietnam era and told me that he used to fall asleep 
uh, in the engine room to all the vibration and noise. Yeah. And so, I mean, there's, there's weird stuff with sleep. Um, but definitely, um, I wouldn't say that a, a combat scenario or, um, sleeping in an uncomfortable situation on deployment is good, right? Like you can tough it out, uh, but that stuff does impact you. And, you know, one night of lost sleep is not probably not going to kill you unless you do something stupid afterwards. Um, but you can see that in your blood work, like three months later, uh, it jacks you up that much. And so, I mean, even, you know, for us going down range and having a high op tempo or whatever, I mean, we're just bouncing between being sleep deprived and we have basically the emotional intelligence of a drunk person um, to, you know, cortisol spikes, adrenaline spikes, caffeine consumption out of control, nicotine. And we just do what we have to do to keep pushing and charging ahead. And some guys crash eventually. Right. Uh, and then some guys just and gals uh, just take it on the chest and they start to, to see health problems that develop later in life. So I don't know. You got a good one. Well, Where was the craziest place you slept? Well, well, I'll tell you, you, I love your answer. Like you turned it into a total perfect metaphor about the rocks under the, under the sleeping bag. But I, uh, and I'd love to hear the chat too. What's the craziest bedroom that the, that the military ever gave you. But I remember sleeping in, um, in, well, for one, I mean, you go from everything from deafening noise to ships listing back and forth to blistering heat when you're air con- when you don't have air conditioners in Iraq in the summer and uh, and I remember in Afghanistan in the winter uh, we had so one thing that I cannot complain about about naval special warfare is you know we got some good deals sometimes and one of those oh, yeah. was the Tempur-Pedic roll-up uh, mattresses that we got and not complaining about those. We got these like four inch thick roll up Tempur-Pedic uh, mattresses, like basically a sleep pad made by Gucci, if you if you want to call it that. And so we got to bring these to Afghanistan. And what I did was I had two of the classic military cots, the ones that you like separate your shoulder trying to open. And uh, and because they're like so stiff right at the last, you know, half an inch is like impossible to lock those things into place. Two of those pressed up next to each other so that the center of the bed was a was metal posts. And then I laid my Tempur-Pedic over that so it was like a on a on a hill, like a like a slope. And then slept on that for six months. And also it was the winter, so it was freezing cold. Uh, power would go out all the time. I would have no heat. Even if I did have heat, it would get the place up to 50. And I was like, you know, chilling. I was enjoying 50. I'm like, that's nice you know, sleeping on, living in there, uh, in 50 degrees. And anyway, point is you, everything seems great compared to that. So you might think that you're living in this like fantastic, perfectly set up scenario for great sleep and rest, uh, because it's not that, but maybe you're not at all optimizing your opportunity to take, you know, best care of yourself. So what can we do? Like, how can we even begin to assess? How do I know if my bedroom's okay or not? Well, the optimal sleeping condition is one that is cool because there's a thin membrane in your next to the hypothalamus that senses temperature and communicates with the body clock. That's like, Hey, this is the ambient temperature, but then there's also homeostasis, right? Your body to go through uh, sleep needs to drop its core body temperature. I think to fall asleep is between a half a degree and a degree is the trigger, which there's an old wives tale that grandma gives you a glass of warm milk because your body uh, tries to cool it off and then you fall asleep. I'm not sure if that's true, um, but you definitely have to drop some temperature. So if it's really hot in your room, which 70 degrees all day, you know, with your thermostat, it's all the same your body needs to cool off a little bit more than that. I mean, 70 is okay, but if it's 70 all day and you work from home, you're in the same, your body doesn't know what the difference in day and night is. Uh. You need warm day, cold night. It's a pendulum. So, you know, for me, like 65 is good. Uh, Sometimes I get a little bit chilly with that, but you know, 65, 68, either way, if it's cooler, your body has to do less work to cool itself off. So it's more of a relaxed transition. The lowest point of uh, your body temperature is in the early morning, uh, sometimes like 2 a.m. Depends on what time you go to sleep and your whole cycle. But that's a marker. 
for uh, measuring sleep is like, okay, when was the lowest uh, point of, uh, you know, core body temperature for this individual while they're sleeping? So a cool bedroom is good. Uh, a dark bedroom is good because, you know, that's how our brains are wired, right? Sometimes you have night loom uh, from the moon, like thinking back to tribal times, which our whole DNA is written, you know, for a million years on that. Uh, and that's okay. So I'm not saying you can't have a nightlight, but generally speaking, dark is good. Dark is better. Definitely the lights. Uh, there's two different ways to look at it. Uh, bright light, like the volume of light or lux, right? You don't want to have too bright of lights um, around the sleep space, but specifically that blue wavelength, which is if I had a chart up, you know, we have the visual spectrum of light you know, blue is all the way down here on one side in the 450 to 550 nanometer range. And all that means is that's just like the frequency, right? So you don't see a whole lot of blue at sunset, right? Because blue is a slower frequency and it has to go through all those particles to get to your eyes. So a lot of that's filtered out. And so that's a natural signal for our body to prepare for sleep. And so what does that mean? Okay, the body senses that the sun's going down, it's time for sleep. Uh, because I don't have that blue in my face. Uh, okay, well, it's time to start lowering my core body temperature. It's time to start uh, releasing melatonin from the pineal gland in your brain. That melatonin is critical in the sleep process. Uh, a lot of old people, when that stops uh, functioning at the same level, start to have sleep problems, right? So light, keep it dim or no light, and definitely keep the blue light out of the bedroom. Uh, and then there's sound, right? We can measure sound, uh, not... In, in terms of like the volume of sound, I can kind of go over that, but spikes in sound for sure. Like, so if you live in the city and you have like a car alarm down the street or you hear a baby crying, and if you're a military person, uh, you could be very hypervigilant and anything can key you up. But in terms of reading your brainwave activity at nighttime, like you're sleeping and something happens and you hear it, even if you're asleep and you're not conscious, right? You think, oh, it doesn't matter because I can't hear it. But your brain still hears it. You can see it in the EEG. It can disrupt your sleep cycle completely, right? You can, if, if you have a lot of noise, it can look like the EEG measurement of an alcoholic, right? Mm. Um, so it, it aids you to have a quiet space. Um, I sleep the best when I go out to like Montana or Wyoming. And it's just like black, quiet. You can't hear anything, which takes some getting used to if you're not from the country, right? But um, if you live in a noisy space, one thing that you can do, right, and until we get the rest note out to everybody, you can just order a, a white noise machine. Um, but white noise or ocean waves or stuff like that, a lot of times you can find good stuff on YouTube on your phone. Um, that brings up the ambient temperature, uh, the ambient uh, sound within the space, and it buffers out any noise spikes, right? So if you have a, uh. a, a 70 decibel car alarm, you know, from your position and distance that is perceived at 70 decibels right here, but you have like an ocean wave, you know, playing in the background at like 40 decibels in your bedroom, it's nice and calming. That's not gonna be the, the, the it's not gonna be as big of a Delta, right? As if it was quiet in the room and then all of a sudden you hear this loud sound. So that is what's gonna disturb your brain. So that's why white noise is so effective. It's also calming, right? A lot of people like the melodic um, tunes. It just kind of relaxes them, but it also buffers out all the, the outside noise, so. That's super interesting. If anybody doesn't understand, the delta represents the difference between two things, if you say the delta. So you're talking about from 40 to 70 decibels, a 30 decibel delta instead of a 70 decibel delta. That's interesting. I never thought about that. That's the uh, foundation of our research, light, sound, and temperature. Light, um, sound, and temperature. Every, everything else kind of came later. The whole cognitive behavioral therapy and the breathing exercises. Um, but because we're kind of focused on the core, like we want to fix sleep, uh, we're not pinned to one thing. We want everything that we can find to help people with sleep because we're on a mission. We're on a mission to end sleep deprivation and improve it for every individual that we come in contact with. So how about, um, so I sleep in bed with my wife uh, unless I've done something wrong. And so is it, uh, I've heard people sometimes, uh, you know, I guess back in the day, at least on television, you know, they always slept in separate beds or so I've heard actually, I know at least one couple who they have such different, 
uh, sleep needs that they actually sleep separately just so that they can get sleep. Is this, is there, is there anything to this or like, what should people be thinking about sleeping with their spouse or loved ones, maybe kids in oh bed boy. too? Yeah, this is, uh, this is a controversial topic. I've talked about this topic quite a bit and, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of getting good sleep and you traditionally are going to get you know, we live longer if we have a spouse and we have loved ones around us. But if your spouse has a different sleep schedule than you, or they kick you in bed or they snore, they can impact your sleep in a negative way. Um, so if you remember, I don't know if you remember this, but they did a, uh, the Rand report on sleep in the military, right? It was a huge thing. It was oh, right yeah. about the time. Yeah. yeah. I remember. So the, the author, Wendy Troxell, she's awesome. Uh, PhD type. And she wrote a book called sharing the covers. So she wrote that uh, Rand report, but she also wrote another book called sharing the covers. Right. And the book talks about this topic, right. It's like to sleep with my spouse or not to sleep. And it, it's almost like, I feel like a lot of times the, the wife, uh, you know, I'm not trying to make a blanket statement, but it's you know, anecdotally, it seems as if the wife feels a little bit betrayed by this sentiment, right? No, we should sleep in different beds. But the truth is people tend to sleep a little bit better um, when they have an isolated sleeping space that they can kind of just veg out and, <laughs> and get good sleep. So tough topic. That's a good one. It's a good question. It that's, That is a sensitive topic. I, I completely, it, yeah, you want to always like, you know, tread lightly when you when you talk about like, you know, Women do this, men do this. You're thinking about your own spouse, I'm sure, when you have those conversations. You don't want to hurt anybody's feelings and be like, hey, babe, beat it. You know, I'm trying to get some rest or whatever. But, uh, but you know, it is it is a serious conversation, especially like you would hate to have sleep become something that you become resentful over. And uh, yeah. you start thinking like, oh, I'm really aggravated that I just can't sleep. He or she is always kicking me, always stealing the covers. I'm not mad, but I can't sleep. You know, like it's... I think you got to be able to have those welcome, those challenging conversations. Like this is not about emotion. This is about, you know, I'm struggling. I can't sleep. I'm having a hard time. I want to, I want to look at some options here. Um, maybe if anybody out there is dealing with those issues, I sleep pretty good. I'm a good sleeper. I don't have any real complaints. Uh, I'm a big dreamer, you know, so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm always careful that I don't want to be like, uh, um, I guess recently in, in po like in popular um, media, it might be like a rich person telling you to shut up about gas prices. You know what I mean? I don't want to be that. I, I understand yeah. that for many people, sleep's a major issue. I've been fairly lucky. Um, I've had issues post-deployment sleeping, but it, I've, they've always, you know, kind of resolved. Anyway, um, and then kind of on, the, on a similar topic, what about sleeping with, uh, with earplugs or... or some kind of like, or, or, um, what, what are they called? Like things that go over your eyes. Do these yeah, do anything? A hundred percent, man. That's a great idea, uh, for anybody, especially on travel. Um, so if you look at Naval postgraduate school, um, Dr. Nita Shattuck over there is somebody that she's like a, a role model for me. Uh, but she's totally, you know, the, I guess the queen of sleep in, uh, for the entire Navy really. Uh, she's just been pushing the envelope on good sleep habits and what she delivers when she visits, uh, visits the uh, ships, you know, like down at 32nd street or whatever is a eye mask and earplug set. She'll drop it off for the, oh, for the wow. sailors. And it's super effective because, you know, what are some of the stuff, some of the things that we talked about, right? Like buffering out some of the loud noises that might interrupt your uh, sleep earplugs can do that. Uh, some people struggle with earplugs because they don't fit well. And they just don't like something touching their ear. Understandable. Yeah. Uh, the face mask, I prefer, I'm a hot sleeper. So I prefer like a silky mask, but anytime, you know, especially during the day, uh, it's nice to have a face mask if you're taking a nap. Uh, but anytime I wake up and I need a little bit more sleep and the sun is kind of popping through the window or something like that, definitely I'm putting on that face mask. It makes it so much easier to fall asleep. Uh, so yeah, I highly recommend that. I'm thinking about this now and, uh, you know, I'm thinking, I always try to be like objectionable to myself, 
you know, in, in everything. If I'm walking around, if I'm thinking something, I'm also trying to like outthink it, outthink myself, you know? Um, and I'm just wondering, like, if I was to put on earplugs or a face mask or something like that, my main concern with that kind of thing, and I don't, I don't do that, but now, but I, I would definitely, you know, if you're seeking to remedy something, right. And you were wondering if you should put on earplugs or a face mask. I know one concern that maybe a lot of men would have, uh, and it comes to my mind right away is also, uh, situational awareness and alertness to your surroundings. And maybe you're worried about a break in entering or something like that. Um, is there, what about like, what are things that could make people feel more secure in their bedroom? Maybe that's a reason that people are having a hard time sleeping. Is it like, you know, lock your door, security system? Like, how do you feel like you're not worried about the oven being on out there? You know, you get that kind of restlessness when you're getting ready to go to sleep. Is there anything to like put your mind at ease that you are okay to start falling asleep, that you can relax, that nothing needs your immediate attention? I mean, this is a deeper issue, Max. Um, if you want to talk about it offline, we can, man. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> no, but seriously, man, uh, you know, guys that I'm sure gals come back from combat. And uh, I mean, I had one client that would wake up in the middle of the night and clear his house. He'd keep a, a pistol under his, his mattress and he would just freak out. You know, he'd wake up in a hypervigilant state and clear his house with a gun just to be sure that nobody was there. It's like, Jesus, <laughs> What if somebody was there? It's like your friend came yeah. over drunk or something. I don't know, whatever. But um, it happens. so, I mean, hypervigilance is when uh, you, you really can't turn off that level of, uh, of vigilance or anxiety for awareness, right? And we all have it a bit ingrained in us in the military. You know, two big things uh, lead to that, right? Situational awareness and attention to detail combine that with trauma and stress and it's a recipe for um, a high level of uh, you know responsibility for everything around you and that's part of that um, sympathetic nervous system state right you're always on you're turned on um, if you don't feel safe and you feel uh, anxiety around sleep and maybe something's going to happen um, those are honestly those are signs of like PTSD not a mental health provider, uh, but I've seen a little bit of this stuff and um, we have to be able to feel safe. We have to fit, whether you get a, have to get a door lock or ABT or put up bars over the window or whatever, we have to be able to feel safe. Uh, if you don't feel safe in your sleeping space, man, that can wreak havoc on your sleep forever, right? Um, that, that's really all I have to say about that. Um, we, we, we need to feel safe. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, maybe people have had, like, I, th I talk about it sometimes about our, our house getting burglarized back in San Diego. And that is another thing that can kind of really just make you uncomfortable at home. It's it's like, uh, it's like when you're in the shower and you're home alone and you hear something and you're like, you kind of realize that you're in that vulnerable situation, you know, like you're, you're the loud noise of the shower, you're standing there naked, soaking wet. If you try to get out, you're going to slip and fall you hear a noise or the dog starts barking, you kind of can't, I, I kind of can't help but think what's going on. You know, what's, what's going on out there? What could that be about? And I know that that occurs yeah. when you're getting ready to go to sleep too. It's like the old meme that says, uh, me trying to go to sleep at 10 PM, my brain, let's analyze every mistake we've ever made starting at age four. You know, like you just start, yeah. you know, you start your mind start, but maybe that's the, um, the routine, the breathing exercises, the, meditation, the white noise, the light, all temperature, light, temperature, uh, sound, those things obviously must impact this or that's the idea, right? Yeah. Um, if, if once you can relax, right. Uh, and change state like we teach and like, forgot to mention this, uh, like John McCaskill teaches, mm. I don't know if you guys are into cool t-shirts, but John McCaskill, is a mindfulness and meditation coach. He was also a team guy, super awesome human being. And uh, this is his new shirt, right? And I think you can get it on, um, did I, do you have that website? Yeah, I got I got it pulled up right now. It's the Mission 6-0. You guys can find out more information about John McCaskill. Maybe I'll try to get him on the show, uh, but he's he's doing a lot of work in mindfulness now. Is that right? Yeah, mindfulness, which includes like um, gratitude, but also like being present. 
and there's like a different uh, present to like feeling your, you know, like Alan Watts talks about the vibrations, right? Feeling your surroundings versus being situationally aware, um, more of a sensory thing than an alert thing. Uh, but you know, meditation's tied into all that. I think um, I think John has published on Insight Timer, which is the number two meditation app. Uh, so that's cool. And he's a you know he's part of NSW, so we got to support him. But he's doing really good stuff. So yeah. um, one question, if you don't mind me asking, please, Max, please, did we get um, what was the vote on how people were sleeping? So I. I- I w- the poll's still going, but I can end it right now. I can tell you that I can see uh, 86% of the vote is to no. People are not getting enough sleep. Oh, my gosh. And is... Uh, seven, 7%, 7% yes, 7% I don't know, 86% no. Okay. I, I mean, this is a primarily veteran. Uh, most of your listeners are veterans, right? Yes. Okay. Well, let me... So I'm going to post something. Um, this is, I think that's the right link. If that link works on there, that's a survey. So specifically for military, right? If anybody is struggling with sleep, um, put your name on there, just put your name on the list. Cause we're working on some stuff that maybe we might be able to hook you up. Uh, but put your name on the list and then I have it. And of course you guys can always reach out to me at rob at exist tribe.com. If you're struggling with sleep, especially if you're, on a, a bad wave of depression or might be thinking about, you know, bad stuff. I'm always there, but, um, definitely specifically for sleep. I just dropped that link in there to, uh, put your name in the hat. Thank you, Rob. That's very generous. Um, of course somebody in the chat asked about uh, melatonin. Yep. Uh, are we asking what was it? That's what I was getting at. Does melatonin get to be a habit? Yeah, anything you do to go to sleep becomes a, uh, a habit, right? And you can associate sleep with anything that you think, you know, induces the sleep. So, I mean, you can do it with a sugar pill, right? If you believe that it's helping you sleep, uh, you can create an addiction to that and create a, uh, a relationship with that substance. So melatonin is an interesting one because, you know, only you and your doctor can really have that conversation, right? But almost everybody has a normal, healthy pineal gland in their brain and they produce melatonin every single day. You might not be producing melatonin because you don't work out. You don't go outside and get light. This stuff is important, which is probably why you sleep so well, uh, Max, because you crush it in the gym every day. Right. But, um, that's right. If you're drinking too much caffeine, if you're keeping yourself in a high anxiety state, if you're putting the blue light, that's a big one, putting the blue light in front of your face, uh, or some of those other things we talked about in the bedroom, um, that can delay melatonin production. So you think like, oh, geez, well, I uh, can't, I, I just, I'm not producing enough melatonin. I'm not sleepy at night. So maybe I need to take this supplement, right? Uh, the thing about melatonin is it's not regulated. And so they will say stuff like, I mean, you probably only need like five micrograms and the only time you'd need it, it's like if you're jet lagged or something like that, but people are taking five, 10, 20 milligrams. And even if that was accurate, that's way too much, but it's not accurate. It's completely unregulated. And when they do these studies, uh, they'll bust open the bottle and take a look at the, uh, they'll do a lab analysis of the melatonin content. It's like nothing close to what they label. It's not even close and there's zero regulation and they don't care. They don't care. Um, And I think sometimes they just make the same pills and then they just label them different five milligram, 10 milligram, because a part of it is psychological, right? But the right answer is not to be dependent on anything. Uh, the right answer is to have good habits throughout the day, you know, get after it during the day, get plenty of sunlight, exercise, eat right. And then at nighttime, uh, you'll have a sleep drive. The propensity will be towards recovering from your day. Um, and then also, you know, dealing with your stress, your anxiety, dealing with the bedroom. Like, what are you doing in the bedroom that's keeping you up at night, making you crazy? Um And part of that is acknowledging like where you're at, being able to sense like, okay, I'm in a high anxiety state. I am a military veteran, (laughs) you know, I am probably going to be keyed up more than the average person. 
maybe some breathing exercises will be good for me. And then all of a sudden, and I, you know, I've talked to master chiefs, right. Captains. Um, and they're like, yeah, whatever, dude. Right. And then they do the breathing exercise. Like, yeah, I know. I've heard about breathing. Then they do it. And they're like, Oh, okay. I feel really good. And then you start doing it consistency. And then that's your medicine, right? That's your medicine. And it's effective and it has long-term, you know, behavioral um, positives as well as like everything that comes with it. It's not like getting on a pill that, you know, you're addicted to for the rest of your life and you have to pay for. Um, it's ultimately going to have side effects, right? So. So I think, you know, this is like if you would go to your doctor, or you would go to a uh, therapist, or if you would go to a physical therapist or something like that, you know, my wife being a physician, I can tell you this is a, the physician mentality is uh, the treat at the lowest level possible, non-operative, non-medicinal, if possible. Obviously, if medicine's required, if surgery is required, you do those things. But if somebody can work on something first with this non-operative, non-medicinal thing, that's always better. You've got to give your magical human body a chance because it's resilient, it's tough, it learns, but it requires yeah. habit, it requires repetition sometimes, and it requires putting in the work, like healing from an injury. So maybe the challenge I would issue to everybody listening and to myself too is to do an assessment of our own bedrooms for light, sound, temperature. And if I was to go do that this afternoon or tonight with my wife and be like, hey, let's just let's just you know assess like what is what is the temperature. What is our sound level? What is our light? Where, where can we make changes? What should I look at as a baseline? Like, how should I start with what I've got and then make a change? Should I make a change? What What am I shooting for? What's a good target to go for with that kind of stuff? Well, I mean, you, you got to get off the TikTok. Max, oh my god! At two a.m. You're gonna say that? Yeah. I mean, hey, no, I'm not. I'm not coming down on anybody. And, you know, rule number one is there's no such thing as perfect sleep, right? Uh, a lot of people get spun up on trying to find the perfect sleep and measuring the perfect sleep. Getting rid of the anxiety around getting perfect sleep is is just as valid, right? But if we do things that we know based on the science are going to be better for us, we're introducing all this technology into our bedrooms. Um, let's take that out, right? Let's take out, I know you already put the TV mount on the wall and it's going to leave holes in the sheetrock, right? But take the TV out of the bedroom, watch the TV in the living room and go to sleep in the bedroom. Your bedroom is your sanctuary, right? We don't have time to live a half life where we're, we're always just one step behind. And we're like, Oh, well, I didn't get good sleep last night. So I'm depressed. So I'm going to watch Netflix all night and just pass out and not get good sleep. We have to take our nutrition seriously. You have to take our exercise seriously. And sleep is just as important. So I'm giving you guys tips. You don't have to do them, uh, but they will help if you do do them. Uh, take the TV, take the iPad. Here's a, a, a nice trick, right? Put the charger to your phone in the kitchen or in another room, right? Um, I know a lot of us need alarms from the uh, phones to wake up. So maybe put it within a earshot, right? But having that uh, out of the room means you're not going to be checking emails. You're not going to have the blue light in the face. You're not going to have, you know, ding, ding, ding on social media, um, you know, igniting your brain uh, and keeping you alert. And then all of a sudden you can't go to bed. And you don't know why. Um, if you want to play with your thermostat, you a lot of times, like if you have a smart thermostat, uh, I know some people were talking about um, smart devices. The rest note is a smart device. It can connect to your uh, thermostat, it can connect to your smart lights, it can connect to all that stuff. We currently have a withing sleep mat that we measure people sleep with, it links up to it. So this thing, when the rest note comes out, it's going to blow you away. It's, there's nothing like this on the market. Uh, but just in terms of tweaking your own thermostat at the house, um, if you can afford it, right, sometimes it costs money for AC, um, sometimes it's cold at night and it's free, but you just, for whatever reason, maintain 70 degrees, maybe you're paying for that heat, I don't know. But um, if you can try to figure out a way to keep it a little cooler at night uh, and then let it get a little warmer throughout the day, your body is going to sense that uh, temperature change. It's called a diurnal temperature change, right? It's like daytime, nighttime. Our bodies sense the heat and it's, it's all signals as part of our process. Uh, so colder at nighttime, uh, warmer during the day, uh, and then probably, you know, Maybe you don't like to use the face mask and earplugs. Those are good solutions, especially for travel. But 
blackout curtains. Blackout curtains is a good one, right? Uh, you slap those blackout curtains over the windows, uh, block out any light. Uh, sometimes, you know, I used to live by uh, right beside a street lamp and beside the, uh, you know, window in my bedroom. Got to black it out. Got to black it out. You want it cold, dark, and quiet. All right. Cold, dark, and quiet. I'm going to keep that in mind. I'll do a little self-assessment later. I can tell you one thing for sure is we live next to a lot of ambient light and it comes in. And once my uh, my eyes adjust for nighttime, it's like it can be like, you know, full moon or pretty bright in there. I, I can walk around fine. I could do tasks in there. That's how bright it gets in our bedroom at night. So I could probably work on some blackout curtains for sure. Well, so um, posted the link. Um, are we going to do a breathing exercise for this? Uh, do we want to do a survey? Do we want to talk to the audience? What do you think? Yeah, man. I was going to uh, jump in and say, if you're ready, we could probably start setting up for doing a little breathing exercise. And I invite, I'd like to invite everyone to join us too. So the only one that we don't have enough time um, is the eye rest that takes like 20 minutes okay. and I'll, I'll definitely fall asleep. You'll be like, Rob, wake <laughs> up. We're still on. We're still live. Every, the whole audience will be asleep. You'll have no uh, interactions in the chat. Um, but, but if we want to do uh, any of the other ones, I'm, I'm ready. I'm yeah. always ready. So last time we did box breathing and, and we didn't have the, um, we don't have the poll up for that. I'm going to end the poll for, with 87% of people saying they don't get enough sleep. Unfortunately, nice. that's sad to see. And then, um, and then, yeah, take it away. Tell us what we're doing. Okay, so if you can, Max, can you stream audio again, or do you? Yep, what kind I can. Of setup you I need can. for that? Yep, I can do it. All right, so uh, www.restno.org forward slash six two r. I can can we put it in the chat? So this is the website for. Um, let me put it in the chat. Restno.org, not .com. Dot org mm. forward slash six two r got it got we it, have the six two r okay you do we have the uh six two r domain we have all that stuff but I, i'm working on some stuff that i can't reveal yet but i'm gonna tell you it's gonna be a really good thing a reason we have those domains um but for now you can just find it on our website right there that if you guys also want to uh, do this on your own at home you can go to your phone you can go to that website and I have um, the audio recordings from the lovely and wonderful Janelle Norton. Um, she did all of those recordings for us. Um, and so those are the exercises that uh, Max has available to him. So you want to just do the next one? I think it was, uh, is it the alternate nose breathing? Yeah, it is alternate nose breathing. You want to do that? Yeah, sure. All right. So, so let I'll, I'll click the uh, link. And then it will start to play. Is that what should I, I should expect to happen here? Yeah, as long as uh, it's you're good with your audio. Um, here, I'll, I'll turn off my light too. Uh, I think it's less than five minutes, so it should be pretty quick. Yeah, we're all set up. And then so, um, I'll say a couple of things. So we're doing this um, because we want to relax our nervous system from the day, from any anxiety from all of the things that bother us and keep us awake at night. So this is an exercise that you can do every day. You can do it in the morning, at nighttime. I love doing meditation and breathing in the morning. It starts my day off incredible. But specifically, if you do this before bed at night, it will help you fall asleep. So over to you, Max. All right, guys. This is I'm going to mute you, Rob, just so you know, and I'll unmute us when we're done, but you'll be able to hear the audio. And, uh, and then I'm going to start the... Uh, link for alternate nose breathing feel free to follow along at home and uh here we go we're about to do what's called alternate nostril breathing or nadi shodna so for this breath just find yourself nice and tall in a seated position shoulders resting down and back crown of the head nice and tall feel some length in the spine let the muscles in the jaw relax, the eyes soften. Eyes here can be opened or closed. And for alternate nostril breath, we'll be using our right hand. So go ahead and take a look at the palm of your hand. 
take your right thumb and gently depress just the right nostril. Gently just closing off the right nostril with the right. Hey, I'm not sure what happened here. Right thumb. From here, take a deep inhale through the left nostril all the way full. And then hold at the top, use your ring finger or pinky finger to depress the left nostril and exhale through the right. Inhale through the right nostril all the way to the top and depress that right nostril with a thumb and exhale through the left. Inhale through the left all the way to the top Hold and depress the left nostril and exhale through the right. Inhale through the right nostril all the way full. Depress the right nostril with a thumb and exhale through the left. Inhale through the left nostril all the way to the top. Hold depress the left nostril and exhale through the right. Continuing on with your body's breathing rhythm here, following the breath all the way up through one nostril, holding and switching and exhaling out. Going back and forth with your body's breathing rhythm. You might feel a little lightheaded when you first start this exercise. So maybe just start out with five or 10 rounds of alternate nostril breathing. Maybe working your way up to 15 or 20 rounds at a time. And when you feel ready to be done, keep the eyes softly opened or closed and allow the hand to rest back down to the lap and just take a few natural breaths in and out, maybe noticing a difference between the left and the right side of the nostrils, maybe noticing a little sensation in the forehead or in the head. This breath is said to help reduce anxiety and bring up energy levels. It helps calm the mind it helps in better decision-making. So you can practice this technique before undertaking a really stressful task. So, or you could try it anytime that you just need a little balancing of the left and right hemispheres of the brain. All right. That was awesome. That was, did you guys at home do it? If you did that at home, I would love to hear it. Leave it in the comments. Rob, how was that for you? It was great, man. Did you, you did it, right? It felt good. Oh yeah, it felt great. I, uh, I got to laugh at my, I don't know if I hit the space bar and paused it, but it was like, take a deep breath, go silent. Uh, people are like, you know, begging for air out there. (laughs) 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 Um, yeah, that was awesome. So I hope everyone enjoyed that. And then, and now you guys have the, the, uh, URL to go find that stuff and, and you can redo it, practice it, um, practice other breathing techniques that I'm sure you could find out there. But Rob, this has been, uh, an awesome, awesome conversation. Awesome. I really appreciate you having me as usual. And, um, yeah, just keep fighting the good fight, brother. Yeah. I hope everyone out there who is getting ready for bed, feels better after that breathing. I feel like I'm ready to go take on my day and take our dog for a walk and do all the normal stuff that I do. Uh, Rob, anything else you want to say before we get going? Uh, Yeah, I did want to give a shout out to Joe and Mark um, who are doing the, um, they they have a microgrange that they're working on. It's a nonprofit um, that they are working on sustainable farming. And so I want to get him uh, specifically, I think Mark on your show to talk about that. Uh, but it's all about organic local farming to, uh, for our health and for our communities and stuff like that. So 
more to follow on that. All right. That sounds, I love that. That's like a little cliffhanger for, to get everyone excited for the future. All right, sure. uh, Rob, stick on the line real quick, and I'll be back with you in a moment. All right, guys, that's going to wrap it up for this week's episodes of The Scuttlebutt Show. It's been great to spend this time with you. I hope you guys enjoyed it as well. Thank you, as always, for listening to our great guests. We had Duncan Smith this week and Rob Sweetman, and Rob will be back, as always, next month or sooner if he wants to, literally anytime. Um, hope you guys enjoyed that breathing. Hope you guys are having a great weekend out there. With all that being said, thank you as always from the bottom of my heart for joining me and making this an awesome community out here on YouTube. Thank you, Harry Lime Pie, for the super chat. With all that being said, I look forward to talking to you guys all very soon. For now, that's the scuttlebutt. <laughs>